myself again. Good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters and apologies for the lateness of this programme. Liam would be late for his own funeral and if he was having a funeral he would probably get in touch with Darren Baldwin Funerals, an independent funeral director. You can find them at 304 Old Durham Road, Gateshead, any 8 4BQ. <laughs> Telephone 478-2730. Email Darren at darrenbaldwinfunerals.co.uk. Website www.darrenbaldwinfunerals.co.uk or even LNG families, family funeral directors who you can ring on 0191 389 7245. I thought it was a good way to promote the sponsor. It's almost, like, it's almost like I'm planning it. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> what your funeral? <laughs> um, <laughs> welcome back. You've had a holiday, mate, and fair play to you, mate. You've rushed back to come back and do the show, which is uh, much appreciated on behalf of me and all NUFC matters viewers. Um, and as always, uh, tonight is where I say very little and you get bombarded with questions and over uh, 220 people uh, waiting to uh, watch tonight. So um, clearly people hopefully anticipating some movement and uh, being very little. But let's start before we go to the questions from people about Joe Willock. We got him across the line. Um, I found the quote above and beyond rather bizarre. Um, I found the fact that Bruce admitted that they just tried to get him on loan. Even more yeah. bizarre. Uh, however, we've got him. He's a permanent signing. We got him for 25, you know, 25 million all in. That's, you know, obviously a, a smaller fee and then add-ons, etc. But um, it's it's a good bit of business for us, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's a really difficult climate. So I think everything that Steve Bruce or whoever, whatever he says, does get twisted a little bit and maybe he's taken out of context and... Because of the climate that we're in, I don't think he could say anything and, and it wouldn't be sort of twisted in some way, shape or form. But ultimately, what he was kind of saying, in my opinion, was it looked as though at the start of the summer they were only going to be able to get him in on loan. When it became apparent that Arsenal weren't interested in sending him on loan, it had to be a permanent deal. And Steve Bruce, in his own expectations from meetings that he's had and conversations that he's had, I suspect, didn't expect they would do a permanent deal. So I think that's what he's kind of saying is that he was expecting to be scrabbling around and all of a sudden they've pulled 25 million out their backside and bought a player. So I think in his opinion, they've gone above and beyond anything that he expected they would do this summer. But obviously it, it seems a bit strange when he starts saying, well, we'll try to get the boy on loan and, and this kind of thing. It's hardly, if you pull that out of the context of what he's saying, it doesn't really look very good. It, it, it's like, really, is that all you are doing? But um I don't think that's an endorsement on the quality of the player. I don't think that's an endorsement on how much they wanted him. I think that was just the reality of what it looked like at the start of the summer, that it would have to be a loan deal or nothing. Um, it, it is a £25 million deal and, and it's it's it, it could represent really good value for money. The problem that they've got is they need more than that. And I think everybody knows that. Anybody seen the game at the weekend will say exactly the same. But it's... It, what happened on at the weekend it shouldn't really come as a surprise to anybody. Um, anybody who's been to the games in pre-season would know they kind of defend for Toffee. The back three looked horrific in pre-season, torn to pieces at Rotherham by a little bit of little bit of pace, a little bit of athleticism. Um, both down the wing backs as well, who aren't the best defenders. I've said this till I'm, I'm blue in the face that Matt Ritchie isn't a defender. He can't defend for Toffee. So it doesn't surprise us when, when it's, there's issues down that side. I think Jacob Murphy's been steadily improving. Sunday doesn't seem to have reflected that, <laughs> defensively at least. Um, the back three is all wrong. It is all wrong. Um, we, I, I've spoke, anybody who sort of uh, listens to this show regularly will. They've heard me talk through the idea of, of a squad and the six players that they've got in those positions, none of which have any pace or athleticism. Um, the problem being that Jamal Lascelles and Federico Fernandez are both central players. Then beyond that, who plays alongside them? You've got to have a little bit of uh, movement in, in the system that they play. Often, uh, Kieran Clark will be pulled out and be a left-back and often uh, Emil Kraft, the right-hand side, will have to play as a right-back at times. Just just the way the team balances and moves. Um, you can't do that. Kieran Clark isn't good enough to do that. Um, he's not he's not mobile enough. He's, he's better days are behind him and he can't cover the ground. 
Paul Dummett can do it. He's a similar age, uh, similar experience. He can do it because he used to play as a left-back and took it in. Kieran Clark is a centre-half who has played bits of left-back but isn't a full-back by any means. That's why Emil Kraft gets a look in on the right-hand side. Personally, I'd like to see Fabian Shaw get a chance, but his defensive discipline and positioning probably counts against him in certain ways, which Emil Kraft does have, but isn't anywhere near as good a player. But that's a real problem area. I don't think anybody's really complaining about the problem. Going forward isn't really a problem area. They look like they can score goals. They look like they can create chances. And in those front two are lethal against anybody with Almiron um, when he's on form. Um, Joe Willock on the other side. Yes, John Joe Shelby um, is problematic. Isaac Hayden is a limited midfielder. Anybody who, again, listens to this show regularly on here will have heard me say that um, last season, this season. My opinion on Isaac Hayden, I think he's a, a fantastic professional. Um, and a good player to have in your squad. But when you're relying upon him to be a number eight in that team, which they were, then it's problematic. I thought in the last pre-season game, it was obvious he was going to go towards that team because Sean Longstaff, being brutally honest, was absolutely dreadful in pre-season. Um, didn't show anything um, to warrant a place in that side. And, and ultimately, that, that eight position on the right was just crying out for Sean Longstaff. That was his... He could have made that... If he'd been brilliant in pre-season this year, come back, Fired up, looking great. He could have made. Oh, Liam, you've gone. I'll do a quick uh, plug on the sponsors while he sorts out his uh, internet problems. Seems to be an issue. We had one prior to the show as well, but uh, hopefully we'll get him back. Big shout out to skipsandbins.com. Telephone 0800 2545 Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website www.skipsandbins.com. Easy contract free and pay as you go waste collection. Also, Spider VPN. Uh, they've been with us for the last few months as well for all your internet security. Uh, Google Spider VPN. They come up at the top of your search list and uh, they will be the boys to trust and protect your computer. Also, qtechshop.co.uk, the make, uh, makers of pool tables and snooker tables and walls end in Newcastle. Uh, give them a shout. Big shout out to John. He's in the chat. And to Jab Signature, who make all of our flyers. Also, giving them a shout out at the start of the show, LNG Family Funeral Directors and Darren Baldwin Funerals. First time visitor to the channel. Please subscribe, hit the Newcastle Legends logo in the bottom right-hand corner. Hit the thumb up to like the video, click share to share to your social media and drop in the comments to speak like-minded Newcastle fans. We're also available on your podcast providers, iTunes and Spotify. Uh, catch us on there. And uh, just a quick plug for a couple of events. Supermac is at the Farmhouse Kitchen in Gateshead. Uh, this coming Thursday, tickets are a tenner. Uh, get yourself along to that. It will be a good night. Talking starts at 8 uh, be finished around about half past 10. And uh, Newcastle Legends, uh, first event uh, of uh, the after-COVID period. And it's an evening with Steve Howie, Liam O'Brien, Rue Fox, John Beresford, Supermac, Darren Peacock, John Anderson and Kevin Scott. Host is Gibbo. Joe Allen is doing a comedy slot. Tickets are uh, available on Woucher and on Groupon. And that is the 4th of September uh, this next month less than a month to go so uh get yourself along to that and, and i know there'll be a few of the the guys and the girls from uh, nufc matters who will be at that event so get yourself along and uh, i will start pushing the christmas due uh once i've got those events out the way and an email will be winging it to those people who've already bought tickets for that uh in due course liam sorry mate your internet uh packed in there so I, I just took an opportunity to promote the sponsors so yeah back with you um let's get into the questions mate and darren yeah. cowan said uh are the press conferences still done by zoom which is of yes, course darren. the uh, protocol uh during covid i guess so has, has that not changed yet oh we can still hear you mate you've just frozen oh, yeah we just heard you said oh no what's going on Gone again. Uh, okay. Uh, yes, was the answer to that question. Darren will uh, let Liam sort his internet out. He's going to have to probably move rooms as I see. He's having a few technical difficulties tonight. Uh, Tom asks the question, uh, what's your thoughts on Matty Longstaff being allowed to leave on loan and why did we offer him a new contract if Bruce isn't going to play? See whether Liam is back. There he is. Uh, Liam, there's a question from Tom. Can you see that? Yeah, I can see it. I'll quickly answer that. Yes is the first question. Um, so yeah, they are still done by Zoom. Um, I think okay. it's probably to do with like 
uh, COVID risk and bubbles and things like that. But they're going to continue for the, the time being, um, both post-match post and pre-match. Um, this one, what's thoughts on Matty Longstaff? Um, I've said this numerous times on here. I think probably he might well, they might well have to come to some kind of agreement. It feels a bit Freddie Woodman. Um, we've been in this position before. Um, but look, I, I, I'm just not sure that either Longstaff's uh, medium to long-term future will probably beat Newcastle United. I just don't think it seems a fit, especially under Steve Bruce. Look, I think they're both talented lads. And I think I'd love to see them play for Newcastle United, but it just doesn't seem to be working for them. And 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 I don't think the manager's particularly a massive fan. Uh, both only have a, a year left on their contract. I think we're getting to the point where it's probably um, new deal and loan or sale for either of them. I think, I think it's probably coming to that point where it's going to be shipped out the door or, or they're going to have to step up. Yeah, I think it's disappointing, really, um, with, with the long staffs. And it'll be interesting to see what happens, of course. Lots of rumours about uh, Rafa potentially coming back in um, and, and you know, trying to take Sean Longstaff down there. And I think some people feel he should stay and be given a chance, but clearly not getting on with the manager still. And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't look like there's any future for the long staff. Stu Taylor says, disappointing result at the weekend, but to be expected with five against three in midfield. A back three that kept looking for less to help them out. Was Bruce trying to make a point about needing a centre-half with pace, do you think, Liam? No, I don't think any manager... No, I don't think he will at all. I don't think he was trying to... He certainly wasn't trying to throw a game. No, they need every point they can get this season. I think they'll be trying to finish as high as they possibly can. And West Ham on paper at home is one of the most winnable games Newcastle United have all season, given the recent record against West Ham. So, no, I don't think that, I don't think that at all. But I think he's known all summer that they needed some, they needed some pace and athleticism. Um, and somebody who was decent on the ball in the back three. And the three that were named, none of them ticked that box at all. And the, the players to come in, none of them really ticked that box either. Um, certainly not pace and athleticism with uh, being good on the ball, because they've probably only got one defender who's decent on the ball anyway in, in Fabian Shaw. The rest are all probably rank average, really, in that department. Um, and absolutely none of them have pace. So it is, it is a, I think everyone, it was there for everyone to see who was there on, on Sunday. Um, that this was it's the point where they, they, do, they do need something. They need a little boost. And I've been banging that drum all summer, saying they, they need that and everyone comes back with, but they've got a good group of defenders, I know. But if you're going to play this system in the way they want to play it, you've got to have pace and athleticism and they haven't got any of it. Yeah, yeah I agree. Dino says, any news on transfers? I see Jerome Boateng is available on free. He'd strengthen our defence for sure. I think that must be tongue-in-cheek as a Dino, surely. <laughs> Got to be any news at all. I mean, is there anything positive coming out of the football club, or uh, you know, any more rumours that have got a bit more substance than uh, just just paper talk? No, there is. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of uh, loan inquiries gone in. Um, is my understanding a lot of loan inquiries? And I think, I think again, this is. I'm saying, well, it'll be late. But what what date are we on now? So seventeen. Yeah, seventeen per month. Look, I think it's all going to happen. I don't think anything will probably happen before Aston Villa. I think you're probably looking at the week after when, when anything moves. Because because it's kind of like getting to the point of where the bigger clubs in the league, the stronger clubs, will be starting to pick out their 25-man squads and there'll be two or three that, that they'll want to bring in that will drop out. Um, Two or three will drop out of that squad if they bring players in. And that'll be when... Newcastle United probably get the players that they want. I know that sounds really depressing. They're picking up, picking up the bits and bobs that other people don't want. But look, look how Joe will it worked out. And I wouldn't say just because somebody doesn't fit at a top, at one of the top clubs in the league at the moment, doesn't mean they won't fit in Newcastle United. Chances are they probably will. That's just kind of the level we're at at the moment. And I think there are there probably are three or four defenders in and around the fringes of of Chelsea, uh, in and around the fringes. I'm not going to say Liverpool, um, in and around the fringes of. Um, Manchester United, who probably could uh, improve Newcastle United's lot in that department. There's probably two or three players at Tottenham that may improve them also. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's just going to have to be a wait and see. But I think everybody who watched the game on Sunday will know that that back three in this system isn't fit for purpose. It's far from it. No, definitely not. Tom Dixon uh, asks, do you think Lascelles will come back in the weekend? I think there's a lot of raised eyebrows that Lascelles didn't make the starting lineup. But like I said, like when well, I think it was last week, we talked through the squad building idea that some people just don't seem to get the concept of, um, and it was basically talking about Kraft and Shaw being your right right hands, right wider players, 
Dummett and Clark being the other side and Lascelles and Fernandez being your central two. Um, and it's any one of those three into the certain positions. Um, would I, yeah, probably, I, for me, I probably would bring Lascelles back in. But anybody who again watches the show will know that I'm, I'm a big fan of Lascelles just because of his leadership. Um, does that mean you shift Fernandez to the right? Look, he looks far from ideal out there, but he's definitely a better defender than um, than uh, Emil Kraft. And I think, obviously, I, like anybody who watched preseason, anybody who's seen uh, Sunday will, will see. I think Kieran Clark looks a long way off where he did 12 months ago. I think his levels have dropped massively. Um, I hope the lad comes back because he's been a good servant and he cast United. But at the moment, he certainly doesn't look like a start 11 player in any Premier League side, never mind Newcastle United. Roger, I would like to know who you think is the strongest centre-half that we have apart from Lascelles. Uh, strongest centre-half? I think it would always have been Federico Fernandes. Um, but again, I think at 32, I do think Federico Fernandes has slightly gone past it as well. Um, again, I hope he proves us wrong. But I just that was always the thing. I think there was an age and group in that back three. And it's something that the age group needed to come down. And I see a lot of people complain about bringing young players in, etc. And, and the, the idea of when this idea was floated that there might be a 24, under the age of 24 thing. And I, my first answer was that was it's missing the point. But but Newcastle's, the average age of Newcastle's squad had to come down because particularly in the defensive areas, it's quite high. Um, it did need to come down because they're, they're, they're creaking at the back. And, and, and a good group of natural defenders... Um, which they are is is okay, but when you want to play this system where where you're shifting you're shifting a lot of players in that back three, depending on whether you've got the ball without the ball, and then um, when other teams are breaking, etc. Um, with our two fullbacks who naturally want to get forward, um, then you're asking a lot of somebody like I think Kraft can do it, even though I don't rate him. Um, Clark Clark just does, hasn't got it anymore. He can't he can't play that position. Um, and I think that's something that needs to be looked at moving forward. So for me, um, I like Jamal Lascelles' leadership. Look, I don't think he's the most naturally gifted defender, but I do think he's a good leader and he's been a good captain for Newcastle United over the years. And I would have him back in my team and I would probably shift Fernandez out. Look, can Fabian Shaw not get in? Is he reliable enough to get in? He certainly hasn't got the the pace and the the mobility but he's good with the ball and he'll he'll bring it out and, and that kind of thing. So I would make I'd probably make a couple of changes because for me, looking at the personnel in that back three, if you'd turned around to me and said there's a back three of of Shaw, Lascelles, uh, Fernandez, it wipes the floor with with Clark, uh Fernandez and Kraft. It's be- it's just a better three. And none of them have particularly got pace and athleticism. So surely you'd rather play the better three than the worst three. That's my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tom Lynch asked a question before. I've lost it off screen now, but he was just wondering, have the club said anything about um, the fact that certain fans haven't received season tickets yet? Clearly, still an issue. Fans obviously had to go up and get paper tickets um, to get in at the weekend, but still not everyone has their season tickets. Well, it's a rubbish situation, isn't it, really? It, it's quite it's quite embarrassing um, uh, that, that the club haven't been able to sort things like that. I know it was... It was shortish notice. You normally get a good run at these things. Um, but still, they, they, they should have the manpower and the ability to get things out of people on time. And I would I would like to think people will be getting them this week. And I, I think it'd be a bit of a disgrace if they're not. Um, because you pay good money for your entrance and your season ticket. And then to not really, to have to sort of mess on and get paper tickets, etc. Isn't really good enough from a, from a Premier League club that's meant to be a professional outfit. So I don't know. I've not heard anything on that front. Um, but fingers crossed everybody out there who has um, had sort of had that ridiculous situation play out in the first game won't have it when the, the next home game comes around. John Kennedy wants to know why uh, do you think that Bruce plays so many players out of position? Use a system those players can play or change it. I mean, it was it was a strange lineup. It has to be said, it was a strange, strange lineup. I thought there was one or two players who I just didn't think were, would would make it into that team, and I, I just don't think he started his strongest his strongest eleven. I, I just found it a little bit bizarre that the changes seemed to be the you know ultimately what affected the team you know the the changes that he made but 
obviously a bit of bad luck as well. You know, the penalty situation, nobody, you know, getting first to the ball and clearing it after a good save by Woodman uh, was never a penalty in the first place. You know, everybody agrees on that. Um, you know, Almiron hitting the bar. Um, there's lots of, you know, there's lots of things that went against us in that game. Could easily have been 4 4 5 5. But um, I think playing players out of position is a strange one. I mean, you know, he, he he does seem to do that when he makes alterations and changes. And, and, and you know, he's starting lined up as well. What's your view? Well, I suppose, look, let's look at it. Um, basically, you could argue that Kraft's playing out of position. You could argue that. Uh, Clark doesn't suit it. You could argue Richie's playing out of position. Uh, you could argue that Murphy's playing out of position. Isaac Hayden was definitely playing out of position. Uh, Miguel Almiron's been playing out of position since the system was brought in. You could even argue that Alan St. Maximin's playing out of position, although it suits him really well, playing a little bit further forward, having a, having a free freer role than what he would playing out wide. Um, look, I don't get it. I don't get it. I think, I think the system worked really well for them at the back end of last season. And I think the problem we've got at the moment is that they're trying to shoehorn too many people into positions at the moment that doesn't quite suit. Um, and I think I think the wing back suits them. Obviously, Jacob Murphy's been a big improvement over the last six months at Newcastle United. Um, and I think you couldn't play him as a right back. Um, you couldn't play Matt Ritchie as a left back. So I think it suits those. They haven't got the back three to play. They haven't got the personnel in those positions. They arguably have got the midfielders with Willock. Look, that's a problem. If you don't play three in midfield, right, then how do you fit Joel Willock in? Arsenal got rid of Joel Willock because he can't play in a two. That's basically why they got rid of him, because they sit with the likes of Xhaka or El Nenny will play in the holding roles and Smith Rowe or somebody like that who they'll probably bring in, uh, Odegaard or, or whoever, whoever else it may be, will play in the forward position. Joel Willock was nowhere near good enough to play in those two holding positions. So I don't think moving to a two in midfield would suit having just spent 25 million on a guy to then go from the three in midfield. Um, I think they should stick with the system. Um, and I think Willock can improve them um, if he plays alongside the other two. And, I, and I, Look, I'm not a massive John Joe Shelby fan, but I'd probably stick with Shelby over Hayden in that, that um, sort of pivot role deeper um, just because of what he can bring to the team. And he can find players um, and stick with Almiron as well. Um, but look, it's the back three. I think, I think it's a... Willock will get about the park a bit more. Um, Isaac Hayden isn't isn't the most mobile at getting about the place. He'll put it. He'll put the odd tackle in, and he's he's solid enough. But could he be one of the? Could he be one of the players who drops into the three at the back? I would argue he can't be any worse than Emil Kraft on that right hand side of the back three. I think he did a decent job a couple of times there last season. Could he be somebody who's maybe not quite mobile enough in midfield, but would definitely be a mobile centre half? And can do the defensive work as well as the as well as the getting about and getting across to, to the right hand side. Look, there's lots of decisions, but would that again be just playing somebody out of position? I don't know. Yeah, and and I don't even think he would want to play there. I, no, I just I think, think you know, I get the impression he would play there for the team if needed. But you know, his preferred choice is centre midfield and playing the midfield. Yeah. So yeah, it, I don't think we've answered the question there. We've created more uh, created more um, <laughs> speculation, but that that's just the way it is. It's about opinions. Andrew Jones says Woodman can go. Just another good shot stopper. We need presence and command an area uh, like uh, Dubravka provides. Yeah, it was a criticism of uh, of Woodman, really. Um, and I've, obviously, I've seen him in the pre-season friendlies as well. Uh, he does seem rather rigid and stuck to his line. And I'm not sure whether that was nerves, whether it was because of the, the fact that the, the, the defence playing in front of him uh, seemed to be all over the place at times. Um, but what's your view on Woodman? Look, he made a good penalty. To be honest, he made a good penalty save. He, he, had, a, he had a decent enough game. I don't really think you can blame him for much. Um, I think Woodman's a good goalkeeper. Um, and we're talking about we're talking about a lad who's making his Premier League debut. Um, would you would you look Dubravka? It's okay saying bring Dubravka back, but the lad's injured. I mean, we we've got what we've got. It's either Woodman or Darlow when he comes back, or you play Gillespie. I mean, look, we're going to have to stick with Woodman. He's definitely probably going to get the next three games. Um, so I, I think just stick with the lad. I think he's a decent goalkeeper. Um, and I think this is the opportunity to shine. I think you'll do well. Could be longer because obviously uh, rumours about Dolo being out a lot longer than we thought. So, you know, he could be in longer. We'll just have to, to wait and see. Keith says uh, Bruce plays round pegs in square holes. Uh, Alan says, Liam, what do you think of all the empty seats on Sunday? Just think if we had an owner and a manager, 
who cared. We could uh, need a 70,000-seater stadium. I was amazed that there was 50,000 on Sunday. It was a big crowd, 3,000 West Ham, 50,000, over 50,000 there. Obviously, they do count people who weren't there, and me and my dad weren't there. We were walking across the zebra crossing at Abbey Road. But but imagine there's a few people who weren't at the game who were counted as they've got season tickets. But um, but what did you think? Uh, what did you think of the crowd? I thought that was impressive. I thought it was, but I think it was impressive because I think there's reasons why it was impressive. Like you said, I think there were. I don't think that was the true crowd. I think there was less there. Uh, West Ham were always going to be a, a big amount on the first day. Um, the, the true reflection on how many people have walked and how many people are paid off with the situation will come when there's a Tuesday nighter um, against a less an opposition uh, uh, who might bring you know twelve hundred instead of three thousand. That's when you'll start to see drops in the crowd um, because I think people have walked away. I don't think there are and there was a big clamor. I mean, a lot of people have bought on the day stuff, not on the day, but you know what I mean. They'll have got tickets um, in the week running up with the game, general sale, etc. Um, that won't always be there, especially if things start to tail off a little bit. But going back to the question before about about um, Newcastle could fill a seventy thousand seat stadium, Newcastle United is ready to ignite. It it has been even even though things are really difficult, it wouldn't take a lot of um, a lot of hope and a lot of change to bring people flooding back to St James's Park and to get those queues around the door, uh, around the corner again, um, from the box office and people buying shirts and stuff. It wouldn't take a whole lot. But that just kind of isn't going to happen under Mike Ashley. Look, it did happen for a little bit under Ashley with Benitez. Benitez had that unifying effect on the fan base. Um, but it was because he was so anti-Ashley largely. And, and he was such a quality um, politician as well as a, as a manager. And he brought the fans really under his wing and on side. Um, it played that situation really, really quite expertly. Um, but it didn't take a lot. It didn't take a lot for any cast fans to flood back. And, and that's what we need. We just need a little bit of positivity, a little bit of hope. But ultimately, I think fans will flood back when Mike Ashley leaves. I think that'll be the big moment. I think the day the day Mike Ashley sells the football club to whoever it may be, I'm not I'm not even going to speculate to somebody positive. The day he sells the football club will be the day a lot of people do come back because there's a lot of people that you speak to, you see on social media, reach out to you, etc., send emails, etc. That say that they say, you know what, I've I've been. It's hurt me for the last, they might say, 10 years. It might be 12 years. It might be five years. But there'll be a point in the history of Mike Ashley's time here where they've said enough is enough and I'm not going back to that football club and I'm not buying my son and my daughter any castle shirts like I used to and I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. People, those people are just waiting for that moment. And and even if it's not a, a Saudi dawn, even if it's not like some kind of embarrassment of riches walking through the door, the day that Mike Ashley walks will be the day a lot of people start queuing up in Newcastle United again because it'll feel like a new dawn. It'll feel like hope. Um, it doesn't even say it has to be something with with an, like like I say promises of embarrassment of riches. But yeah, I think I think seventy thousand. Yeah, I think Newcastle United could if things start to go in the right direction. I think seventy thousand you could sell that out no bother. Um, and some people outside of our um, beautiful city and region will not understand what we're talking about when we say things like that. They'll think we're mad. But you could. You could literally, when you cast United are flying and things are moving in the right direction, even just slightly, 70,000 will go like that. It will. It would go like that. It really would. I've seen this being put out a couple of times. Somebody sent it in last night. Um, I've seen it on Twitter. Bruce's Newcastle side have conceded four goals at home for the third time inside 12 months. Before Bruce took over, we hadn't done that for six years. Um, we've conceded five under, under him a few times as well. Is that a concern? Uh, I think it's the way I think it's the way he's, his teams play. Uh, I don't think for, for a former Badly. defender. Yeah, I think for a former defender, I think it's been mentioned by some people quite a bit. Um, he doesn't have the best defensive record as a manager. Um, his teams aren't the best defensively organised and best set up. Um, he doesn't always sign the best defenders. Obviously, there's been a couple he had at Hull that will stand out like sore thumbs. But yeah, defensively, they're not great. And, and they're certainly not. this team isn't set up very well defensively. And surely as a former defender, he must see how much that is a problem area. He must be able to see that those three at the back aren't fit for purpose. And I think that's something that they will try and address between now and the and the first of September. Yeah, let's hope so. Uh, needs to be done, that's for certain. Good to see Adam Armstrong score at the weekend. Uh, I think it'll be trouble for our defence, says Paul Oxley. Great goal. 
absolute belter. It was a peach in his, you know, top corner. Well, he's got that in him, hasn't he? He can score. Uh, Adam Armstrong can score all kinds of goals, right foot, left foot, from distance, proper striker. He's a really, really good player. Um, and I hope he does really well. Um, I really do. Um, and it was quite interesting to see him score against uh, against the manager who binned him out at Newcastle United. Um, just didn't really fancy him. Benitez did not, was never, could never be convinced by Adam Armstrong in the system that he played, which is a shame. But um, he's proven he's gone away. He maybe he's needed to go to somebody like Tony Mowbray, who he trusts from earlier in his career, I think from his time at Coventry. But he went there and, and scored a lot of goals at Blackburn and it's made him a better player. If Adam Armstrong had stayed at Newcastle United, I don't believe he'd be the same player that he is today. I think sometimes it takes those kind of breaks in somebody's career to go and find themselves and come back better for it. And I think Adam Armstrong, good luck to him. He's a better striker now than the day he left Newcastle United. And, and fingers crossed he does really well because I want to see Jordy lads do well. But fingers crossed he doesn't score any goals against us. Yeah, uh, Mad Mark is just wanting to know uh, why haven't we seen anything official regarding the third strip from the club? Do we expect them to release one this season? I mean, Castoria will be playing a big part in that, I guess. Uh, well, I'm back. I'm back at work tomorrow, uh, so I'll ask the question because it's not something that that I'd heard or seen anything about. But it's glaringly obvious that everybody has third kits, and you can't haven't released one. Um, yeah. To my knowledge, I certainly haven't seen it in the time that I've been away. Um, but yeah, I'll ask the question tomorrow. Okay, Mark saying, are you surprised about Steve Bruce taking the option to go on Radio Newcastle? Of course, uh, TalkSport, we've got uh, Willock on on Wednesday uh, doing a live Q&A and then Bruce is going on to do a live Q&A on Thursday. Yeah, I've seen the Radio Newcastle thing. Um, no, I don't think he's brave. It's something he should have done the day he walked through the door. Um, there's been a real reluctance there to do it. I don't know which party that comes from. Is it coming from the club? Is it coming from Bruce himself? Um, it's certainly not coming from the media outlets who've been crying out for this kind of thing for, for quite some time, but it's a positive thing. Um, it's it's hard. Um, and I'm not look, anybody on here who knows I'm not a Bruce apologist at all. But the guy, the guy's the only bloke who talks at Newcastle United, he's the only person who fronts up. So all the issues that build up with regards takeover, with regards no transfers, with regards whatever it may be, lack of movement, we've got no money, season tickets, all that anger that builds up among the fan base effectively gets channeled into Steve Bruce. Doesn't help him, of course, that he's not great and hasn't isn't a great manager anyway. And Newcastle haven't been great under his tenure. But there is a lot of other stuff that gets lumped in, and I think contributes to the real toxic feeling towards Steve Bruce. And that isn't me apologising for him. I find that is just naturally the reality. Some of that heat should be taken off by the people above him. I think it's a dereliction of duty that the likes of uh, Lee Charnley don't regularly, or at least once or twice a season, speak to fans, and um, put out statements, explaining things. Would it be so hard for Newcastle United to put a statement out at the start of this summer and say, look, it's going to be difficult? You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're, a club policy... We're struggling. We haven't got a load of money. So this is whatever. Or, or, or just saying, look, this is the time. Or even if they said, right, we're now going back to a policy where we target young players because we want to bring the average age of the squad down. Or if they just talk about things like, oh, well, Joe Willock's the, the person we're going for. There's nothing wrong with that kind of thing. Transparency and um, being clear um, would take a little bit of the heat off Steve Bruce. That, that, would, that would then focus the anger of fans purely and simply on... He's not good enough as a manager. They're not getting good enough results. They're not getting. He should be picking him and this, that, and the other. That's what most managers at most football clubs have. And Newcastle United is different because there's only one man who stands and puts his head above the parapet. And it's good to see that he's doing it. By the way, that that does that is a positive step in the right direction. The food bank the other week, then the radio Newcastle stuff. But this should have been continuous. It should have it's been. It's a charm. It's a charm offence. It's a charm offensive, though, isn't it? That's what I thought. I mean. I don't believe for one minute he walked from his home through Newcastle um, to Benton the other week and they showed him, showed him walking into to training. Listen, I'm not against it. I, I, I've, I've already gone out and said on the show over the last few days, he deserves to be just given a chance. It's not his fault the takeover hasn't gone through. It's not going to do us any good as a team if we get on Bruce's back as, as a support um, You know, over the next few weeks. Give him a chance this season Let's hope we build up some momentum. Let's hope we get some points in the bag. Let's hope we stop conceding goals. Um, but getting on Bruce's back is not going to do us any good. And if it, but I do feel it's a charm offensively. I can see straight through it. 
well, I know that, but but Rafa Benitez did exactly the same thing. The only thing is, he did it the day he walked through the door. But Rafa so, Benitez was loved by the supporters. Steve Bruce isn't. Well, that's the thing. Steve Bruce should have done this from the start. I think it's it's a football club where you've got to be a part of more than just being the manager. If you're manager in Newcastle United, you've got to get amongst the people. You've got to speak to them. There's not. Why didn't he do some kind of you know talking or something? You know where, where people got to see who was Steve Bruce, not just this man who nobody wants walking through the door. He could have built some bridges and got himself some money in the bank early doors with this charm offensive. Now, being brutally honest, it looks like it's too late. All that water under the bridge doesn't just go away. He could have done this earlier on. People could have got to see Steve Bruce. They could have got to hear what he's like because, actually, when you speak to him, he's got his faults, of course, but he's quite personable. He is, he is not a bad bloke when you speak to him. Um, but nobody's ever got to see that. It's only ever been a name and a face. And it's only ever been the post-match stuff where he's been spiky or he's been peed off or he's... he's, he's He's not the most eloquent, so it's it's come across as barbed comments. And then he'll look. That's me making too many excuses. Sometimes he has have made barbed, barbed comments towards fans. He has. There's no doubt about that. And then they've tried to cover the tracks as the as the days have gone on. For example, that talk sport interview on the Monday after they went and won at Leicester, where he came out with the ludicrous stuff and, and just wound fans up again when it was a positive time. I think he's got that in him. I think it sounds like that's kind of what he does sometimes. Um, I think he likes to be the person to say, well, I told you so, and I was right all along. That's not really something that wash is ever going to wash well with fans. But it is a charm offensive. You're absolutely correct. Um, but it's something that every manager does. Most do it. And he hasn't done enough of it. And it does feel a little bit late. But still, it's good. It's actually positive. It, he should have done it a long time ago. Um, what he's going to get out of it this at this stage? Um, I mean, do the club think suddenly fans are going to turn warm to him because he does it? I think too much water has gone under the bridge. I think people look people people didn't want him in the first place, but if he'd come across as a man and as a person um, positively with fans in social clubs, in pubs, um, on the radio, on TV, however they might have done it, then it, it could have made a difference, and people might have seen him for what he is. Um, but no, he's not. He's, it is a charm offensive. But like I say, Rafa Benitez was pictured pictured at the Angel in the North doing all this kind of thing, and I love Rafa. But that was also a charm offensive. But that's that that was the perfect way to do it. It was almost like showing that he was he was an outsider, but he was part of you, part of what you are, part of your club and your city. Steve Bruce was already a part of that from where he was born, but made no effort to then build on that at all. And that just didn't wash well with fans, and rightly so. Okay, has Lascelles fell out with Bruce? Do you think it's not one I've heard, but I don't know. Possibly, I think. I think, like I said, I think, I think the selection thing is is more to do with the fact it's it's about this idea of the squad. Lascelles isn't a right hand defend, right hand side defender in a three. Nor is he a left. Nor is Fernandez. So I think I think Steve Bruce has purely picked the best natural centre half in Fernandez ahead of Lascelles. I think that's what's happened. Could they rejig it? Like I said earlier, I think ultimately the back three that was put out the other day wasn't fit for purpose. Um, I can see the idea of mobility on the left and right, but Kieran Clark was very poor. And I would rather have better players playing. If and none of them have particularly got mobility, but I'd rather I'd rather have a, a three of Lascelles, Fernandez, um, and Shaw playing than, than have Kieran Clark and Emil Kraft who who aren't aren't as good as any of those three previously mentioned. Nathan says, you know, it's going to be a long season when we're using the words, he can't be worse than <laughs> over and over again. You're not wrong, uh, Nathan. Uh, look at all the players we've extended contracts to. There is at least a full squad's worth, maybe more. None of them get used. I can only say it's because Mike is not willing to allow anyone go on a free, which is uh, probably quite true. I think, uh, look, I'll, I'll make a little point on that and I'll try and be um, cute with it. But there are people, not this summer, Think a little bit further back. There are two senior players who were given contracts, which Steve Bruce didn't push for to get contracts. He's not taking responsibility for. And that is about protecting assets. So I think you can look at what happened with the likes of Dwight Gale and stuff this summer, that it was about protecting assets, not necessarily about protecting the strength of the squad, because we all know that Dwight Gale probably should have been upgraded on this summer. Mm. Andrew Jones is the same what, what is the situation with Gale he's a pointless player for us in reality why not sell him to a championship club surely he holds value then invest in a young up and coming player 
I've said that uh, time and time again about about Dwight Gale. It made sense to to let him go this summer, but the only caveat with that was always going to be that would he have signed a new contract and then suddenly be shipped out the door straight away? I don't think he would have signed a new contract on that idea because him as a player and a person would have been better off just walking away for a free. He would have got a better deal anyway. Um, and there would have been clubs queuing around the corner for him. Um, and he would have got more money because nobody would have to pay a fee. Um, I just don't think he's somebody who would want to leave. Will, will it happen? It doesn't sound like it, but it would definitely be one that I would be looking to do is get him out the door and, and see if they can improve in that department. Because he, I don't think Dwight Gale... Dwight Gale's neither used nor ornament in the squad. Last season he wasn't, and he isn't this this time round. Um, I mean... Is he going to get used? Is, is it going to be one that he'll just turn up in the League Cup and things like that? Well, we had that with Andy Carroll last season. Ultimately, you need you need a 25-man squad where every single player on that squad is going to add something different to your team. And at the moment, you cast United feel like they've got two, they've got a full squad, but it feels like there's too many passengers. I've mentioned two in the back uh, of the defenders. Um, you look at Crafts, probably a passenger, and just fill in a slot. Um, players like uh, Mankio, players like um, Kieran Clark, uh, if, well, there's, there's just Jeff Hendrick, um, Dwight Gale, um, far too many passengers in this squad. Who who is Sean Longstaff in that category? Possibly Matty Longstaff, definitely. I mean, these players doesn't reflect necessarily on their ability, but are they adding any value um, to this squad moving forward? Are they the type of players who would come in and definitely? add something different to the team or do a good job if needed? Question marks are out there. Plenty of question marks, uh, Liam, about a lot of things. Uh, another question mark at the end of this question from Blue Moon Boy says, Liam, where do you think we'll finish in the league? I think I... I correct us if I'm wrong, Steve. Did I predict 14th last... I think last you week? said something like that. Yeah, I couldn't remember. Yeah. I think it was yeah. about that. I said anywhere between 12th and 17th, I think. Uh, we've had yeah. a couple of shouts of 10th, but... I can't see that. I think I think between 12th and 17th. We've just got to hit it lucky with injuries and suspensions, I think. I think there's worse teams in the league. Again, I think there's three worse teams, but we have to beat these teams in, in the six-pointers. Um, and six-pointers, uh, oh, you know, there's plenty of them. We'll just have to wait and see. Uh, he also says that Ashley needs to go, but I'd be devastated if we end up with owners like Arsenal's. They are calamitous, in my opinion. Yeah, the, Again, it's be careful what you wish for, isn't it? And, and you know, there are some rather unscrupulous owners who could, could easily come in and take the club over. They could, but again, this is one, one thing that it might be absolute financial and business naivety on my behalf, and I don't really care that it probably is, but if somebody said to me, you can roll the dice tomorrow and have any owner but Mike Ashley, I would roll that dice and I wouldn't regret it. I wouldn't regret rolling that dice because this, with him as the owner, is terrible. It's rubbish. Why would you Why would you choose for that to continue? I would take a risk on anybody. Yeah, John Askew is, is backing up what we're saying, really. He says, can, uh, can we assume Ashley's successor as an owner will definitely move the club forward? Careful what you wish for. Remember, the Bengals... I do. I do. You've got to be careful what you wish for because... I mean, ultimately, I've said I don't personally feel we can judge Mike Ashley until he leaves the club. I've I've said I've got plenty to say against him. I'm not happy with the way that he's run the club, but we, we can only judge him when he leaves and what state he leaves the club in, and, and and ultimately who he sells the club to. Now he's tried to sell it to the Saudis and he's failed, and he's just in a compensation compensation hunt now. I think, but we could end up with we could end up with some horrendous owners. And that could, it oh, could, it could, be, worse. It could, of course. could be worse than that. It could be worse than Ashley. You could, of course, but you could end up with better. And, and has, it could. Really, has it really it been? Could. Why is it always got to be the negative? It could end up with yeah. somebody better. That's the thing I would always look at. And for all, every single one of those names mentioned there, Wigan, Birmingham, Portsmouth, all terrible, terrible owners, all won trophies before Newcastle, since Newcastle United have. Good all point. of them. All of them have won. Even Venkis, Blackburn have won trophies since Newcastle United have. Won the league. You had nothing. Won the league, won the league cup under Sunes as well. They've won, they've won more than Newcastle United. All of those teams mentioned, even Wigan. And how embarrassing is that? Mm -hmm. Life goals uh, says Benitez harmed the long-term prospects by dumping in Bemba, Tony, and Babu and Armstrong for the good work he did. Other than Sean Longstaff, he stunk with the youth side. Um, it's probably a fair. It's probably a fair point. There are reasons why he got rid of certain ones. I know in Bemba in particular was one that wouldn't speak English, would he? He couldn't communicate properly with, with Mbemba. He talked through certain games where 
he had issues where he told them to to be in certain positions and at set pieces or, or when the, the player breaks down and he was just wandering off into different areas and I think Benitez just didn't couldn't get through to Mbemba. Doesn't mean he was a bad player, but couldn't communicate the way he wanted him to play to Mbemba. And it didn't Mbemba didn't make a massive effort to learn the language as well. So there was a massive barrier there. I think Mbabu, I think probably I think it was injuries at the time. I think he kept coming into the side and he was probably a young lad still growing into it, growing into himself and, and just couldn't couldn't really break the injuries. Armstrong, I don't know why. He just never fancied Armstrong in the system that he played. Um, I can't remember anybody else that was mentioned there, but yeah, it's 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 probably Tony. Um, that looks like a, that looks like a ridiculous thing as well, really. I mean, you look at somebody like look at the way Tottenham managed Harry Kane, for example. That's not a suggestion that either of those centre forwards who've gone on are anywhere near that good. They're not. Probably won't be. But there's a clear plan in place. They'll send them on three or four loans with the idea that might take them till 21, 22 to be ready to sort of make an impact in the Premier League. Where's, where's the planning for young players? Where's the long-term, short-term, medium-term plans in place? Hopefully that's something that'll change. Um, with the likes of Steve Harper coming into the, the setup, and I know that's something that they're trying to change, but where's the long, medium-term planning for these players? We've seen it with Freddie Woodman. He's basically in the team now, thrown in at the deep end by accident. It hasn't been, there hasn't been any long-term plan to get him into Newcastle United's side. You sign these players with the idea that there should be a pathway to the first team. And you should be able to sit them down every summer and say, right, this is where you're going to go. And that's and I'm going to send you to this club because you'll improve in this way and you'll do that. When you come back, you should have done X, Y and Z. And you'll be back here. And if you've done that, you're a step further and you're close at the first team. Where's the, this pathway to the first team for these young players? Um, and that's why I talked about Armstrong and I talked about Tony and the same idea as well that they had to leave. They had to go somewhere else to become better players. And that's that's a sad fact at Newcastle United. Look, there'll be players like that everywhere. There'll be players like that at other clubs as well, with normally tends to be sort of better clubs with with um three or four internationals will be will be ahead of somebody in the in the pathway to getting towards a team. But that's not the case at Newcastle United. It's just poor management. Yeah. Okay. Do other clubs communicate? Good question. Um, with fans like that, he thinks it's a general, a general, um, you know, uh, fault of football clubs non-communication. Would you say that's right? Uh, I think the Aston Villa one was a was a fresh air, uh, was a was a breath of fresh air this summer after the Grealish thing. I think it's something that a lot of clubs can learn from. Um, no clubs don't always communicate on every cough and splutter that happens at the football club, but they certainly communicate a lot less than you can, a lot more than Newcastle United do. Um, like I say, Lee Charnley effectively at this football club has been like a ghost director. We've not seen, we've not seen, heard, or anything from him, have we? In the last two to three years, um, he did his bit fan for fans forum, etc., whatever it may be, fans fan meetings behind closed doors. Um, he did that probably two years ago, would have been the last one. But where's the next one? When's it happening? When who, who's he gonna? Is he is he gonna show any balls and come out and speak and take some of the heat off his manager? It wouldn't be a hard thing to do, would it? To come out and, you know, he could do something pre-prepared. He could do something like Mike Ashley did where he picks his certain media partner, partners. But he could do something to take the heat off his manager when things have been bad. They haven't done that because it's been so easy. The easy option is to leave Steve Bruce out there hanging and leave him out there, leave him to the wolves. And that's that's all they've done in that time. Um, but I think the politics and things like that of Benitez before them is really scarred. Scarred things. I think I think they're a scared football club to stand out and, and put their head above the parapet. And they're just starting to do that with Bruce now. It's taken them a little bit of time, but they need to show some balls and they need to come out and explain certain things. Nobody needs to know every financial detail. Nobody needs to know, you know, lots of the detail. But there's ways and means you can communicate, and the way any casting to do it isn't right. Uh, why didn't the club get Willock registered on time, says Tim Cairns. Story regarding the club doing his video and overlooked the registration. Surely that's not true. It's just it's it's the way that Lee Charney tends to do everything very slowly. He's a bit like a bit like a, a chief executive sloth. Yeah. Uh, I've never heard that one, to be honest. I think anybody... he does do things. He does do things slowly. I know that for No, definite. no, I mean I'm talking about this, Steve. Of course he does. He does things slowly. I'm saying this this video. Doing the video, you know, I just think that's a load of rubbish, to be honest. Yeah, I just got, I get the impression that it's just he does things slowly in his own time, and I get the, you know, it was well publicised, well documented that 
it was down to personal terms and they're just clearly like we've described on this show before Lee Charlie is here then you've got Justin Barnes then you've got Mike Ashley and things have to go through a chain of command to get a yes and you can imagine the yes can probably take or the, or the no as it probably often is can take a bit of a while to come back down the, the chain I guess that's why things are done so slowly and Lee Charlie gets it in the neck but ultimately it comes with who you know it comes from the big owner who is is clearly going to make the final decision and then he has to tell Justin Barnes who you know clearly then passes the message on to Lee Charlie Look, I'm saying that and I'm throwing Lee Charlie at the Wolves here, saying he should be the one standing up. But ultimately, that's his job. He's in that position. And there should be others able to take the flak a little bit. But the people above aren't interested in that. They've never been interested in that. And I think that's just ultimately the way this the football club is really poorly run in that sense. Yes, the balance books will be great. They're always great. But is that what football is about? Is that really what we want? You know, we've, we've joked over the years for so many times when people say, ah, oh, and it'll be the same people now are saying, careful what you wish for. They'll, they'll joke, they'll say like, oh, well, look, we're top of the, we're top of the, you know, the financials, we're top of the balance book, book league table. But what about the football club? It's football. I want to win football matches. I want to sign football players. Uh, want want uh, football players to score goals. I'm not really inter- that interested in exactly the financial detail. You don't want anybody to run your football club into the ground, of course. But you might get somebody who does it a bit better than Mike Ashley, even though they might not seem on paper. Because to me, it can't really be that much worse. It can, of course, be financially worse. But in terms of draining it, such a passionate fan base, it's taken some time to really drain this fan base. But it feels like it absolutely is drained now um, over the last couple of years. But it's taken some time, hasn't it, to, to get to this point. The rumours are flying round. I mean, I'm sure some of this has come from some of the in the nose. Um, <laughs> they submitted the paperwork as Joe instead of Joseph. Again, you know, I, I think that's just a rumour marker. You know, none of this has been confirmed. It was personal. It was down to personal details, uh, personal terms with a with a with a father. I think it's been well publicised, and this is what dragged on. It's so look. Steve, you know it yourself, it's so easy to to stop. People start things. You see it all the time on social media. They start yeah. something, it grows arms and legs. And because everybody wants to blame the football club, they'll take it on and it becomes fact. And these these things that you're hearing now, there'll be ones, you know, maybe 10 years' time in the pub, somebody somewhere in some random pub will go, Aye. they'll be talking about football transfers and he'll be like, oh, I remember the time when Joe Willock didn't get through because they put the wrong name on the form. It'll be fact. It'll turn into fact somewhere down the line. And half yeah. the time, these things just aren't true. Yeah. Uh, lots of lots of comments about the takeover, Premier League, etc. Premier League would have would brown their pints if Newcastle fans and journals expect the takeover to go through. Premier League want to control the narrative, get Newcastle used to uh, a ship sandwich so they can have easy land. And I think, well, look, there's a lot of people commenting about this, and you know, people asking, "Do I know more?" Thomas Wilson asking, "Do I know more than I let on?" I, the takeover is dead for me, Thomas. I've told everybody on the show a couple of weeks ago. For me, it's dead. I can't see anything happening. Stu says, "I see Richard Masters and EPL broke their silence this week." Masters just repeated what he'd said 16 months ago. It's pathetic from the Premier League. And yeah, that's that's all we're going to get. And I mean, like I keep saying to people, just forget it until the 29th of September uh, when we get some kind of, you know, answer as to what's going to happen with the CAC case. That's, that's, that's my, you know, that's my honest opinion. Yeah, and, and the advice that we've been given, the sort of, the things you hear from sources is that the, the 29th might not even bring that much it might bring an answer but that could also then you could also then see appeals and and that that could become stuck in the mud quite quickly um look it doesn't look good on that front we've we've both said that you think it's absolutely dead it isn't dead until it is dead in my opinion but it doesn't look great no uh bruce is going to clash with fans on the radio and he's going to react very badly to what fans say it's going to be hilarious it's a terrible idea pr wise Radio Newcastle won't allow that. Won't I guarantee happen. it. Guarantee yeah. that won't. If they, if that happens, be very surprised. And, and these radio stations have seven seven second delays as well. So I genuinely can't see that happening. Might be proved wrong. Who knows? Tony Bull says, Steve, I've got the same haircut as you. Great. Do you think there's more chance of our hair regrowing than a takeover going ahead? Um, yes, definitely. Uh, Yano says, Willock has a chance to break a record. I'm glad he wasn't signed in time. We need him to be properly prepared. Um, Mark Taylor says we're in a state of suspended animation. Ah, good, I think that's like Star Wars 
Blake Seven type of thing. Because Ashley won't spend while he waits for his money. Relegation is a real fear. Um, I would agree. Uh, Steve, you believe the takeover was digging through last year or so? Yes, Darren. Uh, but things can change. And I definitely feel as if the takeover is over. Uh, because of what I've heard and because of these two things getting pushed back, arbitration pushed back to next year. And and, and now the CAC case, uh, only a hearing happening in September, not the actual CAC case. That's why my attitude's changed. It's a personal feeling. Um, I'm not going to come on here as a presenter of a podcast uh, and, and lead Newcastle fans up a garden path and pretend to say something and pretend to say something that I don't feel. That's that's simple, simple question. Thomas, you didn't come across nasty, son. Don't don't worry. Um, it helps to think of the club as a branch of sports direct. I never usually mention that name on Yahoo. Uh, will you stream the radio call in from Bruce Dino? No. Uh, we'll be doing my own show with uh, Malcolm McDonald, and then me and Malcolm are going out to do a talking. Tom says, What did Keegan do when he wanted to sign someone in the day? Either sign him on the day or the player can go and find another club and not time wasting. It's a different club now um, than, than it was back then. Uh, who would you bring into the team for Aston Villa, Liam? Uh, like I said earlier, um, I would probably look to bring Lascelles in somehow. And sure, I don't think either of them particularly fit the system great, but I'm just not convinced by the personnel in the back three. Um, beyond that, I would probably say Joe Willock. Um, comes into the side with, without any shadow of a doubt, um, and I'd probably bring him for in for Isaac Hayden. Um, and possibly bringing Jamal Lewis in at left back as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. A lot of people suggesting that Lascelles, Willock, and Lewis in for Rafa Benitez, uh, which you know I, I think a lot of people would agree Lascelles needs to come back in. Apart from. Martin from Loaded. I know he's not a Lascelles fan, not my captain and all that. But um, don't forget, Loaded tonight has got Keith Patterson on. Uh, so give the lads a shout. And a big thank you to Daz and the lads for doing Match Day Live for me at the weekend. Um, great to have the lads back on. And it was great to see the five-minute rant back on last night as well. And great to see so many people phoning in, coming in, doing their bit uh, on the show. So thanks to Pete and Chris for running that. We'll take one more question, and that is from Richard Boyd. Did you see the £165 hoodie in the club shop? Yes. Uh, Liam, you're not modelling it there tonight, are you? No, no. A uh, bit out of my price range, that one. Um, especially now with kids kids in the mix. I might, it might have won, won once upon a time, but not now. No, at the end of the day, like, look, I think they are Castori. If you ever look at what the kind of level of sportswear that Castori sell, um, it is in that kind of price category. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't get too head up about the idea that they're going to be selling the odd premium piece of sport sporting wear in the Newcastle shop because it, it it's kind of targeted at people who like premium sportswear. It just so happens that they're branching out into making sporting kit as well, which is why Newcastle United's kit is made by and Wolves as well. But I wouldn't get your snickers in a twist, to be honest, about, about the idea that, that Castori are now selling... Um, premium sportswear when that's what they've built the whole business model on. Yeah, I was flowing over, says John. I hope you're doing well, mate. Uh, good to hear you on the mend. I know you've had a couple of bad days. It's beautiful, says Joe. Uh, Darren Aguirre will give you the last uh, on-screen comment. Woodman, Lewis, Lascelles, Fernandez, Kraft, Shelby, Hayden, Maximin, Willock, Murphy, Wilson. Four, two, three, one. You've got craft in there. A lot of people wouldn't have craft in there. Uh, but uh, all about all about debate. Don't forget, tomorrow night uh, is Retro Night, Thursday night, Gibbo and Supermac, and then Friday night is the Fab Four. I'm having a well-deserved break next week. But the good news is Monday night, uh, we'll still have the five-minute rant, which will be live with um, Pete and Chris and Holly. So there'll be the three of them on for an hour and a half, 90 minutes, to look back over the weekend's events. And Tuesday night, Liam, because of the transfer situation, or lack of transfers, uh, Liam will be doing this show next Tuesday uh, with Daz from Loaded Mag. Don't forget to jump over to Loaded Mag now. Uh, 7 o'clock, Keith Patterson's on there tonight. Liam, last chance to promote uh, where you are writing at the moment. So, at the moment, uh, I'm no longer writing for the Shields Gazette. I've seen some nutters out there, and that's what I'm going to describe them as. I haven't been getting a massive amount of uh, connection with regards to the internet, but I've seen some nutters out there saying, oh, he's been sacked from the Gazette. I could write for the Gazette tomorrow if I wanted to. I'm still part of the same company. Um, but now, I'm no longer writing under the Gazette arm. I'm now writing for a brand-new venture. 
um, which launches the website on Thursday. It's called Newcastle World. So make sure you guys out there check it out. Um, it's a brand new thing. We're starting from scratch. It's involved um, a JPI media production that's going to be um, seeing um, our websites, a Manchester World, uh, Liverpool World, London World, Glasgow, Wales. We're going all over the country and starting out these brand new websites. So I'll be heading up the Newcastle coverage on that brand new venture from Thursday. Been doing a lot of work behind the scenes. It's part of a National World JPI production. So yeah, Check it out. Big launch Thursday. I'll see you guys there. Great stuff. And uh, Blue Moon Boys asking, am I streaming the Super Mac talking? We'll give it a go. Hopefully the, the internet will be good down there and uh, we will be able to do it. So uh, I will make an announcement in due course uh, once we know. It'll be very much a case of turning up, hoping for the best. And if we can, we can. If we can't, we can't. And you'll be able to see it. Uh, great stuff, Liam, as always. Thanks very much for coming on. Uh, enjoy next Tuesday uh, with Daz. I'm sure he will look after you. Take care, mate. Good night. See you. Talking to myself